Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. How can you make sure that you're living right and doing right in business? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here. Welcome to the LeadX Show where we help you to stand out and to get ahead. And in just a minute, we're gonna talk about how incorporating values into business and life can change the world. But first, friendly reminder to like LeadX on Facebook. We're actually at LeadX Life, and when you like the page and turn on notifications, you'll get our free training videos and be alerted to our Facebook Live video broadcasts, which happen most Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Today's one-minute career tip is fast and slow decision-making. Many people feel that speed counts, so they'll make decisions quickly, believing in fast failing, failing fast, and best to just take some kind of action. But others are slow, they're analytical, they take a long time making all of their decisions. But the right thing to do is to change your approach based on the kind of decision it is. You wanna make quick decisions when what's at stake is very small, when you can change the decision very easily. Maybe that's a decision about what you're gonna to wear today, <laughs> whether to launch your email advertising on a Wednesday or a Thursday. But other decisions come with big costs and are hard to undo, like hiring a specific person as an employee, making an investment in a new product line. Those are decisions to really take your time, be thoughtful, and to be analytical. So remember, vary your approach to decision-making. Our guest today is the co-chair of The Dwyer Group, a billion-dollar organization with more than 2,800 franchisees around the world operating under service brands like Mr. Rooter, Mr. Electric, Glass Doctor, and more. You may have already seen her when she appeared in the CBS TV show Undercover Boss. Her book is Values, Inc., How Incorporating Values into Business and Life Can Change the World. Our guest is Dina Dwyer Owens. Dina, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. I am honored to be here. Well, this is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to be talking about values, your book and the concept of values, in uh, just a minute. But I always ask our guests the same first question, which is a little different. I want you to share a time uh, when you failed at something, maybe early in your career, and what did you learn from it? Because our listeners and I, we want to learn from that failure too. So I just have to pick one, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> so many come to mind. So let's go way back. This is, this is the late 80s, and it's during the savings and loans crisis. I am managing about a million square feet of real estate for our family business, and we have about four large apartment communities, and they weren't doing very well. Occupancies were low, and I, I felt like I was doing everything possible you know, to, to market it and get the occupancies up, but I just wasn't getting there, and we couldn't make the mortgage payments. And I, I was devastated because one of, one of our values at Dwyer's to make only agreements we are willing, able, and intend to keep, and we made an agreement to pay our mortgage. So my father was my boss, and so most of the time they're the toughest bosses you could ever have. Right. So he calls me into his office and he says, look, here's what you have to do. You need to go talk to the banker, tell him the truth about where we are, we can't afford to make the payment, and ask him to forgive 50% of the mortgage. Mm. And I said, you want me to what? There is no way I'm going to do that. We agreed to pay this mortgage payment and I am not going to tell him we're not going to pay it. And he said, 
what you don't understand is we don't have a choice. We can't afford to make the payments. And they would much rather have an honest conversation with us and work with us than to have another property back. They've got way too many properties already being given back to them. And I just didn't believe that that was a good answer, that that was a good solution. But I had no choice, Kevin. Again, I was doing everything I thought possible to market those properties and get the occupancies up. wasn't happening. I went to the banker and I communicated honestly with purpose, which is another one of our values, Mm -hmm. about what was happening. And I said, I need your help. Here's what I'd like to ask. And I asked the question. And he said, give me a couple of weeks. Let me think about it. He got back to me in a couple of weeks and he said, we can't forgive 50% of the loan, but we can forgive 40% of the loan. Wow. And we, we appreciate you coming to us and trying to work something out versus just turning the property over to us. Wow. Were you shocked? I mean, when at that, I mean, were you expecting the, the, you know, the answer is Dina, you gotta be crazy. <laughs> I mean, so this, this, you were really surprised that with this honest, transparent approach, you got almost everything you asked for. Unbelievable. I was shocked. So the big lesson was don't be afraid to ask. And you know you do it with respect and you do it honestly and, and transparently as you just stated. And it's amazing uh, what people are willing to do when there's a tough situation and somebody's willing to step up and say, I'm in a bind. <laughs> I need help. Can you work with me? It's amazing. And you know, I, um, I would never call myself a banker, but for about five years, some friends and I, we uh, invested and started up a kind of a regional you know, community bank. And so I, on the board, I learned quickly some some things about banking and being on the other side. So I, I <laughs> we started our bank right before the 08 crash, <laughs> oh. uh, which, which which seems like a horrible time to start a bank uh, as banks for the first time were starting to go out of business. But Oddly, because we were brand new, we weren't uh, we weren't burdened with all those bad mortgages and things. So it turned out to be a very a very good thing financially. But I I was amazed as our you know branch uh, presidents and our CEO would come into the monthly board meetings, and unfortunately, I mean it was a, it's a sad situation. And 08 was you know really really bad, like the SNL crisis where. These were these were people that we knew, you know, that were starting up, you know, small developments, as you were saying, you know, own some apartment buildings. And um, often they would come to us and say, we are out of business. You now own this uh, this half finished development or this office building or whatever it was. And it the bank hated that. I mean, we you know, we're not designed to be in, in the real estate business. And there were a few times, very few, unfortunately, where people came before it got to that point. And they said, we are struggling. This is and of course, everybody was struggling. So there was no shame. in it. There's certainly no surprise from our end. And whenever we could, we would redo those. We would redo those deals because we didn't want to be in that worst case scenario. So it really, you know, that lead lead with honesty is is the best policy for everybody involved. It is. So, Dina, your book is Values, Inc. And you know, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna sugarcoat. It. I think most people these days, most people who work in big companies, especially, if you talk about mission, vision, values, first of all, they they can't even recite them, their own company mission, vision, values, and they probably are gonna roll their eyes and say like, oh, that's that stuff that is on the posters on the wall, but you know, that doesn't doesn't matter. It's just it's just everybody's got the word integrity on their values statement. Now you come at this very, very differently. So tell us like, you know, what's the big idea in your book? 
Well, and you're right. It's been said that 95% of the companies in North America do nothing with their values mm. uh, once they're written, right? You go through this big strategic planning process. People spend a lot of money on those processes, and then they they fret over, should we put the or and, you know, in the sentence? <laughs> right. and, the, and, and then they go back, and they do nothing with it. And I don't think, Kevin, it's because they don't want to lead with values. I think they don't know how to do it, how to make it part of their company's DNA. So the big idea at Dwyer is – we're a franchise organization. We take what's most important in a business and we create systems around it so that those systems can be replicated so that you could have success, right? Running one of our franchise businesses. And we did the same thing with our values. So the big idea is don't put all this effort into thinking about what you care about, what you stand for, and then walk away from it. Make it become a way of life for you and your organization by creating a system. And at Dwyer, we gamified our values. So when we first came up with these, what we call operationalized values, because they're not just respect, integrity, customer focus, and having fun. They're specific standards for how we expect ourselves to operate and how we expect each other to operate. So what we did is we asked the team members to actually hold the, the management team accountable to leading with the values. We gave them a laminated card mm-hmm. with the values. We said, for the next 90 days, the game we're going to play is called the beep game. Anytime you catch a management team member violating a value, we want your feedback. And the feedback came in the form of a simple beep. So right. literally, Kevin, you're walking down the hallway. <laughs> if a team member heard you use profanity, for example, because one of our values is speaking calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm, all the team member had to do was go beep. And hopefully you wouldn't go, oh, shit. You know, and repeat, repeat <laughs> Get a second beep. Right, place. right. Two beeps. Yeah, so so that was the game we played, and what was amazing is how the employees – well, they love the idea of catching us doing something wrong, <laughs> but they really, they really took it to heart and studied those values. And you know, for 90 days, it was like the Roadrunner was racing through our buildings because we got beeped so much. But that's how we got it um, cemented into the minds of our employees, and we got their buy-in because they saw that we, we, were not, we weren't good at it, but they saw that we were committed to getting better. Okay, so there's a lot right there, Dina. So first of all, I mean, the great idea of – you're first of all, you're committed to making the values known and you know honored and to gamify it, to to put some practices into place and have a little bit of fun so that everybody's reinforcing the values with each other. And I'm kind of surprised because just the fact that people would beep each other, including, you know, my boss, I would think, you know, your organization must have an incredible culture of trust. Because in a if there was a if it was a fear based climate, obviously I'm not going to beep you when you when you you know use a swear word. I mean, is this does this sound right? It is right, but it's years in the making, and it it starts and ends with leadership. You know, if the leadership is truly not committed and it's just all talk, um, but but nobody's really following through, that'll never work. I mean, our team had to trust, as you said, they had to trust that we were committed to this, but they also had to recognize, and we had to be open about this: is we will never be perfect at this. And we've been doing this 20, almost 22 years now, Kevin, and we still make mistakes. In fact, you made me think of something. Um, not only do people beep each other and we don't, you know, beep the way we did that first 90 days. First of all, we're much better at the values, but it's, it's, we're not playing the game all the time, although anybody can beep. But our CEO, Mike Bidwell, just the other day, we had an email um, exchange. There were a few of us on the email exchange and he made a remark that he came back and said, oops, I think I just violated the code of values with that one. And he beeped himself basically huh. because yeah, when, when you get to know your values so well, right. it's amazing how um, you should hold yourself accountable, especially as the leaders of the company. Right. 
Now, let me, Dean, let me, I'm even going to poke on this further. So, okay, it's one thing I catch you, you know, uh, speaking out of anger or something like that. I, I catch you on that. That's relatively safe. Does Do you have any other examples that would come to mind where, you know, one of your, well, anyone in the organization, but probably a team leader might almost do something or say something or decide something that then gets caught by someone else? Well, uh, one comes to mind quickly, and again, it's easy to use the speaking <laughs> calmly and respectfully without profanity or sarcasm. Example, we had an executive uh, who, who was in the hallway talking to another team member who used profanity. The a gal who was delivering the mail that day beeped her, and um, she flipped her off. Oh, <laughs> so geez. It was <laughs> It was not what you would have hoped for, <laughs> uh, but she, she was having a bad day. Yeah. But what ended up happening, uh, Kevin, is – we counseled her, you know, we're all going to make mistakes, but you know, you don't flip your employees off. And, and yet a few months later, she chose to leave the company mm. because she recognized this was not a good place for her because the rules didn't fit who she was. And she's a, she's really a fabulous lady. Um, I'm, I'm sure she doesn't curse nearly as much as she used to, <laughs> after that. but we, we, we weren't a fit for each other anymore. Once, once she saw, saw how serious we were going to be out about implementing these values, but things happen every day. I mean, there's examples that happen daily around here. Well, and this just gets to the point where organizations that have strong, unique cultures, ideally, you know, based based on values, it's like a self-correcting mechanism. I mean, people, you don't have to always be the one showing people the door who don't fit. People will will show themselves through the door. They'll realize very quickly, oops, you know, I don't, I'm, this is not right. And just as you said, Dean, it's not that they're a, a, a bad performer always, or a bad person, certainly not that. It's just that they realize, okay, this is not the right fit for me. I mean, a great culture will, will show people that very quickly. Yeah. I remember Patrick Lencioni's um, a statement that when properly practiced, values can actually inflict pain. <laughs> they, yeah. can, you know, they, can, they can make some employees feel like outcasts. And they can actually limit an organization's strategic and operational freedom. So it's, it's interesting that you say that, Kevin, because this value stuff is not for the faint of heart. Right. If you're a leader who's listening to this or somebody who wants to be a leader, you got to recognize this, there's nothing easy about this. And it starts with you as the leader. You've got to be committed because you're going to be under the magnifying glass. Right, right. So let me let me ask another question about, you know, your own experience with the values. And, you know, before uh, we, we went on air here, we were talking a little bit about uh, we, we got connected through a mutual friend. And, you know, I'm working on a, my next leadership book and I've got this uh, chapter about, you know, great leaders don't have rules. And that's a little bit of a, you know, intentionally extremist statement. But what I get at is, you know, every rule takes away the opportunity for someone to make a choice, you know, for someone to reflect on what's the right thing to do. And and if I don't have that choice, then it becomes more like your company, not my company. And so I have all these recommendations for, you know, rule replacements, you know, standards, guidelines, coaching. But one of the things uh, that I want to write about and to understand more is, uh, instead of relying on rules to guide behavior, you know, rely on on values. Uh, a friend of mine is like a leading decision uh, analyst. I didn't even know one of those things existed, but he, he's he's like one of the leading ones on the planet. And I asked him, I said, look, dumb this down. I'm like when someone can't make a decision, like what do you tell them? How do they make a decision you know, wisely? And he said, when you're confused about how to make a decision and I, and I can't make this up, he says, 
it's because you're unclear about your values. You have to go back on to your values to say, you know, what are my values? And if I make the decision, you know, choice A versus choice B, what does that feel like? What does that look like framed in values? So then, you know, our mutual friend said, you know, Kevin, you got to talk to Dina on this. And and I'm curious, like, you know, other than the the beeps for like the language one, which you mentioned is an easy one, you know, have you faced a time where you kind of had to make a tough decision where, you know, I don't know, like you weren't sure if you should let someone go or coach them or go into a new line of business or not, or, you know, a, a bigger business decision where you were stuck. And then you said, well, let me reflect on our values on this. Yeah, actually, I got two quick examples for you. One is as it relates to, um, a strategic opportunity. And I brought this strategic opportunity to uh, our CEO. I'm co-chairing the company now. So, you know, our CEO is really running this business and has grown it beautifully. hundred percent in the last three years, Kevin. Wow. And we're 30 and we're 36 years old. So I think values are, work, are working out for us. But I presented an idea to him on a, an acquisition. And it's not one that we had not talked about in the past, but he said, you know, I just don't think it aligns with our values. He says, I think what we would be able to do with a business like that could be compromising. Mm. Um the way we, we like to do business. And I didn't, I didn't agree with his perspective initially. And one of our values is everyone has the right to their own perspective. But what we do here is we challenge each other's perspectives. And so I said, well, tell me more. Why do you think it would be conflicting? Because I, I don't see it. I see it as a great opportunity for referrals. And he gave me some additional information. And I said, you know, you make a really good point there. So here was an opportunity to to buy, frankly, to buy a very good franchise company that in my mind was a, was a great complement to our current menu of services. But he reflected on it enough to, to convince me it wasn't the right thing for us to do. Another quick example is telling on myself. <laughs> yeah. As leaders, we, we got to be willing to admit mistakes, right? Right, right. And boy, do I have a lot to admit. But I, um, what I loved about that beep game is our employees were so committed that they actually came up with a value that I would have never thought of. And the value is never saying anything about anyone that we would not say to him or her. So this falls under our our category of integrity. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a situation I was in, gosh, it was last summer now. And it's a professional uh, situation where I happened to be on a special committee and observed um, some activities going on that made you wonder what was really going on with a, uh, a couple of officers and a few people brought to our attention that they thought there was more going on than that should be going on um, to, to married folks. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had some discussion uh, amongst this special committee group uh, about that. And, and, and I walked away from that thinking, you know, never saying anything about anyone that we would not say to him or her. I left that conversation. I could have justified it away. Right. We were having that discussion, trying to be as factual as we could be because we were concerned about, will they make decisions that maybe are inappropriate um, because there's something personal going on versus it just being what's best for this association. And I made the decision to call both of those individuals separately mm-hmm. um, to apologize to them. They had no idea I talked about them. To apologize to them, I, I just said, look, I said, you know how I, I believe in our values at Dwyer, and I feel like I just violated a value last week, and this is what happened, and, and I owe you an apology, and you may not ever want to talk to me again, um, but I, I want to make sure that I own my mistake. And they were gracious and accepting that could not have been an easy thing for you to do. And I, and this, what's amazing is you know, they would have never known. You could have like gotten away with it and just said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I won't do it again. You did the right thing and, and addressed it. But that had to have been a hard conversation. Very hard. I, I don't know how, how bad I was shaking before I made the call, but I was shaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I did, I did it with love and care. 
and uh, sincerity. You know, it was it was my responsibility to own it, and it was really pretty much none of my business. I did have to look out for the association, but um, I, I felt so much better after I did it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dina, just because you know I, I have you for a few more minutes here, I want to switch it up because. You know, I want to get some more, I like to call them like value bombs for our, our listeners <laughs> with, you know, your uh, amazing career and all the, the team members, you know, you've worked with and mentored over the years. You know, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to a young professional? You know, maybe uh, someone she's just starting out in her career, you know, she's ambitious. She wants to be seen as a, as a high potential. Uh, how should she stand out and get ahead at work? Yeah. First of all, I would say understand your values and make sure you're working for a company that has alignment with your values. And the way that they can get clarity about their values, um, Kevin, for all of your listeners, I have a Create Your Culture workbook that they can download for free from my website. And that's just at dinadwyerowens.com. And that's got six simple steps for identifying your values, creating a, a mantra around your values, having very clear uh, behaviors that are attached to your values so that you can measure that you're living up to them and then having a tool for for measuring via your team and your customers that you really are living up to them. But don't join an organization that you know does not feel right to you mm. because what will happen is you may give in to doing something less than, than you would allow yourself to do otherwise. And it's unfortunate, but some people get into those environments and they feel the pressure and they allow themselves to step down from being a 10 and they might drop down to a six or a seven on the scale of quality uh, and who they are as an individual. So know your values. That would be my number one piece of advice. And then work for an organization that's aligned with your values. They're out there. Go find them. Yeah, and that's incredible because I think especially you know young young adults, you know, we would focus back in the day on like, okay, what will I be doing, and what's the pay, and maybe what's the benefits, and to realize it's not just about financial compensation. And, and what you're doing, but it's where you're going to be doing it and, and to not settle. I like that advice a lot. And, and what about for leaders, you know, first time managers? Again, in an organization your size, I imagine, you know, leadership on the local teams is critical. Leadership uh, heading up each of your different service brands is critical. What are what's some advice or secrets, you know, to when it comes to leadership and management? Yeah, I don't think you're going to be surprised by my answer. <laughs> know your values right. and keep them front and center as the leader, the manager. Um, you know, your organization hopefully has clearly written values that you can implement and, and you know create a system around those values. That That's the key is any meeting of three or more people, maybe make it a habit to review at least one of your values each week, maybe all the values and just keep them front and center and then live up to them as a leader. You've got to live up to them. And when you make a mistake because you're going to, own it. Say in front of your team, you know what? I just messed up on that one, and I am really sorry, and and move on. You know what? The trust level goes way up, and it's amazing when you admit to your mistakes as a leader, how the other team members will do the same, and they'll just be responsible. One of our values, Kevin, is operating in a responsible manner above the line. So you can imagine a flip chart, and there's a, a red line drawn across the top of the flip chart, and above that line says accountability. So operating above the line means being accountable, no matter what position you're in. But we're all leaders, as you've said a million times. <laughs> below below that line are things like justification, justifying why something didn't get done that you're responsible for, blaming others why it didn't get done. Don't waste people's time with all that. Just play above the line. And as a leader, you got to start at the top by playing above the line. When you mess up, own it and be willing to apologize. 
Love that phrase, play above the line. Now, Dina, you were, that's generous. You're, you're offering um, the, you know, the, the values, create your own values workbook. I love it when uh, our listeners can get some truly valuable and free uh, help. So thank you for that. That's at uh, dinadwyerowns.com. And tell, tell us how else can we find out more about you and your company and what you're up to? Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm most excited about, Kevin, that would be a great benefit to your listeners is uh, a new brand, uh, overarching brand that we launched called Neighborly. It's a community of home service experts. So it's this comprehensive platform of all of our franchisees who can serve you in your homes and your small businesses. So if they want to check out getneighborly.com, it is free to join. And it's so simple to join. It takes just seconds to sign up. But if you need home services done, you basically just, you know, put in your zip code and you're looking for an air conditioning guy or you're looking for a appliance repair person. Um, we, we will take care of you. And then your service history remains on your site. So you can always look up, well, what, what did I do last year on my air conditioning again? And that service history is right there. There's tons of great content for improvements around your home. And I think most important, Kevin, is there's real-time ratings. So mm-hmm. if you're wondering, well, you know, Dina's re- recommending her franchisees, and that's the beautiful thing about <laughs> Get Neighborly is we know who we're referring you to. Right. So there's 2,600, you know, franchisees in, in North America that we're recommending to you because we know them. They're aligned with our values, and they are going to deliver on the brand promise. We're not perfect, so, you know, we might have some mistakes here and there, but overall, uh, it's an incredible group of franchisees that want to make you more comfortable in your home. So check out GetNeighborly.com. Wow. And again, Dean, I'm not making this up. Early in this summer, I unfortunately had to call a heating and air person and I had to call a plumber. And I and I went to Google and I tried to find oh someone. <laughs> Two people came and, you know, in one I thought like, okay, good service, but did I just pay like a million times more than I should have? And the other one was okay, I guess now I know why I'm not paying that much because this service is, is really horrible. So I'm looking forward to registering as soon as we're off the uh, off the air at getneighborly.com. So I appreciate that. And we'll make sure uh, to put uh, the links in the show notes so everybody knows how to get information uh, about your book and your website uh, as well. So Dina, I know you're very busy running all of this. It means a lot to me that you carved out some time to, to come on to the Lead X Show. Thanks a lot for that. Well, it's my pleasure, and I just want to challenge everybody out there to you know, understand what your values are and keep them front and center. You can make such an impact, not only in your own life and your family, but in the businesses that you operate and, and frankly, in the world. At the end of the day, when we lead with values, we can make a huge impact on our society. LeadX family, don't forget you can get links and notes from this interview over at LeadX.org. And you can also download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership at LeadX.org forward slash Branson. And if you want to get more LeadX in your everyday life, just follow us at LeadXLife on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. That's one word, LeadXLife. And if you've ever gotten even just one good idea from a LeadX show, do me a huge favor. It takes less than a minute. And just subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a quick rating. Just go to leadx.org forward slash subscribe. Until next time, friends, remember, leadership is about influence, which means we are all leaders. Whether you're a salesperson or a soldier, an entrepreneur or an executive, a coach or a counselor, you are leading all of the time. 
you positively influence with your behavior, and you influence negatively when you're a bystander. How will you lead today?